Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sledge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore. folks and welcome to another episode of The Curb. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that's all about Australian culture, films, movies, interviews and more. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and I pay respects to the elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode I catch up with a screen icon, Eric Thompson. Yes, the the bloke from All Saints and Pack to the Rafters, but most importantly for me, uh, the guy from great Australian films like Somersault and The Furnace, and the upcoming Kiwi film, Coming Home in the Dark. Now this is a dark kind of film, I hate to use that word once more, but nonetheless, it is a dark film, and uh, we kind of skirt around the spoilers in this particular discussion, because it's a film that I recommend if you like films like Funny Games, or Killing Ground, or Eden Lake, that you really should seek this particular film out. It is dark, it is bleak, it is a really tense thriller. But it's also a film that is best going in not knowing anything at all. Now, again, we don't really touch on spoilers in this particular discussion, and that's a good thing. Um, But I think that it's still really worthwhile listening to, mostly because we talk about Eric's career as well. Last year, he celebrated 30 years as a working actor, and that's a pretty stellar achievement. And his filmography is really one that is uh, is very impressive. And as I mentioned to him during this interview, in 2021 at least, you know, he wrapped up 2020 with The Furnace, and then he's got Aftertaste, and then there's a new Back to the Rafters, which is on Amazon Prime. Now, Coming Home in the Dark, which is out in cinemas from the 8th of September with some Q&A screenings around uh, in Perth and in South Australia and as well as in Queensland. And hopefully, from what I believe might happen, uh, fingers crossed, when restrictions are lifted in both New South Wales and Victoria, this film should ideally be getting a theatrical run there too. And if not, uh, you can watch in the safety of your own home when it comes out later on the year or next year on streaming and physical release. This is a film that I highly recommend seeing. It is powerful, powerful stuff. And it's a film that I know I'm going to be thinking about for a while. It's a hard one to shake. Uh, yeah, great film. Coming Home in the Dark. Let's listen to the trailer. place to yourselves. I should probably introduce myself, shouldn't I? 
Mandrake. I'm a magician. I make things disappear. Must be Andrew. That's correct. Good day, Eric. How are you doing? Um, well, yourself? Oh, fantastic. All the better for being able to talk to you. Thank you very much oh, for your that's time. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Cheers, no worries. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, first of all, congratulations on the film um, coming oh, out in the you. dark. Wow, what a, what a stunning film. Yeah, I really... Oh, you, you uh, enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if well, enjoy I'm, is the right word. word. <laughs> you experienced it. I did experience it, yeah, yeah. I left, uh, I was left quite shaken by it um, in a good way, uh, which is, a, yeah. you know... Uh, an impressive thing to do. Uh, it's not the film that I was expecting, especially when it hits around the 15 minute mark. I was like, Oh, Oh, this is that yeah. kind of film. <laughs> yeah. So. I know you, you really doubled down at that point. And that was when I read the script. I was like the same. I just went, fuck, they went there. They did that. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then I, I just went, I knew I had to sort of buckle up and just, you know, go on the ride and, uh, anything was possible from that point onwards. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I had, you had a, such a visceral reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the immediate reaction was, like, I kept on thinking of films like Funny Games and Eden Lake and Killing Ground um, yep. as being that kind of tone. Not not narrative similarity, yeah, but yeah. the tone totally, is very yeah. similar. Um, was yeah. that kind of what drew you to the film? Yeah, look, I mean, I, 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 I really, you know, I, I got sent the script at one um the basic story, I got sent the script on like a Friday or Saturday or something, and I on a Friday, and then I read it, and I was just reading it along, and it was like, you know, such a kind of um, interesting little opening, but nothing, you know, nothing crazy. And then, then that happened, you know. Then Mandrake and Tubbs walk out. I went, okay, now, and then, and then the the, the moment happened, and um, I just, I, I like I said, from that point on, all, all bets were off, and I, I just found the um the how courageous and bold it was it really drew me drew me in and i but at that point still i was like well i'm not quite sure how it's going to be treated and then james uh ashcroft flew up from taronga which is about an hour so a couple of hours south of auckland he flew up on the monday to meet me and i just knew at that point that i i was going to be in safe hands because he was such a he had such a clear vision for the for what he was going to do with the film and at, and at that point the, the quality of the script and the kind of the intention of the director came together and I went, right, I know what, I know what I'm going to be in. And then I kind of put it aside and went fantastic. I got the job. And, um, and then, um, a few days before we started shooting, I realized what I was going to have to go through. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And I went, Oh, hang on shit. Now we've got to do it. Um, <laughs> real look, looking at the schedule and, and, and realizing that 80% of it's going to be shot at night. And, um, it was going to be cold and it was going to be, um, you know, an intense, intense ride. But I was I was kind of ready for it and, and up for it. So I am um, for all of those reasons, I was drawn to the project. Yeah. When did you shoot it? We shot it in July 2019. Yeah. So, so two years ago. Freezing um, cold. But I, <laughs> it was it was it was cold. We were very lucky with the weather. We had to go inside a few times. Um, uh, but. Um, for the for for wet weather call um and that made one week in particular very intense you know like some of the biggest scenes suddenly were back to back within a week and i had the biggest week from an emotional perspective um but we um 
yeah, we, we were pretty lucky. It, it wasn't. It was usually around about you know three or four degrees. Um, uh, yeah, it was cold, but that all added to the experience. Really, it, it, it made us all very, very vulnerable um, mm. and very raw as actors. So we um, we just had to ride that wave. Yeah. yeah. As you're saying, it's a you know the the things that your character goes through. It's a very physical role. How do yeah. you prepare for that? How do you both physically and mentally? What do you? How do you get yourself into that mindset? Um, well, I, I just I, you know I just had to. Um, it was like I had to free fall basically. I, there was no in terms of preparation. I I really just had to be as as open and as willing to be as vulnerable as I possibly could um, because, um, you know, without going into whole kind of, you know, acting theory and all that kind of stuff, the the whole belief in a given situation, you know, the more yeah. you can believe that it's actually real, the more truthful your response is going to be. And I just had to get prepare myself and get myself into the headspace that I was just willing to fully believe that between action and cut, this was actually happening to me and so you know you get the and you're, you're assisted by the coldness and by the, the the physical uncomfortable nature of it and the intimidating intimidating man that Matthias Lua Futu is who plays Tubbs uh, in particular he he's six foot eight um, mm. and he's got a, a really he's a lovely guy but he's got a he, he can tap into a real darkness so when you surrender to all that kind of stuff um, you know, hopefully the product that you get is a, a very truthful, vulnerable honesty um, on screen. And that's what we were, particularly Midiyama and I, we knew that we had to do that and be available for it. So, um, yeah, I am, um, yeah, and the physical side of it, I, I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind the fact that I was a little bit heavier than I usually am. I, I didn't really want... Um, uh, anyone to be distracted with with Hoagie because he he goes from kind of um, you know average kind of dad mm. dad bod dad looking guy to kind of grotesque in some ways throughout the film. Um, I didn't really certainly want him to be some kind of um, have any kind of heroic physical qualities about him mm. um, because I just I just thought that that, that would add to the the, um, the the normalness of him as a, as a man until you know things are things are uncovered well that that's one of the things which i i appreciate in those early moments when you're walking through the you know the open field and stuff and it's difficult for the family to walk through there it's it's difficult terrain and that helps accentuate how much of a normal family this is <laughs> it undercuts yeah. the whole story there yeah exactly yeah yeah what was it like working alongside Daniel and Matthias as well? Like in those darker moments, you know, they're in the film, it's, it's really dark. And then I kept on thinking, geez, I wonder what it would have been like unwinding after a scene or after a day of shooting. How was the relationship there? Um, well, I'd, I'd worked with Daniel when he just got out of drama school back in 1998. We did Julius Caesar at the Auckland Theatre Company together. And so I knew him as a young man 20 years ago um, and before he went off to America and made some telly and did some stuff over there. Um, so I kind of, I'd, I'd seen him when he was fresh-faced and, and all bouncy puppy dogs. So I, I, knew, I knew that behind <laughs> that hairy face and those, 
and that performance was this guy that I that I'd known since he was a young guy, and um, and and he knew me, and we, and we kind of um, we you know we kind of trusted each other implicitly. So I, I didn't have to. We we just we just got about our business and and again we were everyone he was super committed to it and the amount of professionalism he brought to the the production you know he from his perspective he was he was really fully prepared to go into that role um so um yeah we just let each other do what we had to do and there was a lot of respect and a lot of boundaries we didn't hang out and get all pally for obvious reasons Mm. but um that said, I built up a, such an, a massive amount of trust with him and Matthias because, you know, particularly, you know, there was a lot of physical stuff with Matthias, and when you do that kind of level of physical um, stuff, sometimes actors can get a little bit over exuberant in the moment. Mm. And when you're wrestling with a six foot eight um, former rugby player in Matthias, I was a little bit worried that you know his exuberance might render me you know physically you know, broken <laughs> yeah. um but he 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 had craft and he looked after me we you know I, I felt very safe to be able to go to those places knowing that i wasn't going to get accidentally um you know broken um so yeah we we just we just we just respected each other and we knew what we had to do and we 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 were there for each other as much as we you know on screen we had to be adversaries Mm. i want to talk about the year that you're currently having because i mean obviously i know how film productions and tv and work you know you you film these things years ago and they all just kind of you don't know entirely when they're going to come out especially during a pandemic but to wrap up 2020 with the furnace and then You've got this, and then you've got Aftertaste, which is brilliant, and then you know you're returning to um, back to the rafters as well, and all of these are so very different. <laughs> How do you yeah. feel about this year? Like it's got to be pretty exciting to to have all of this great work out there. Oh, uh, look, it it's it is very exciting. You know, it, I, I'm still, you know, I I think even the backdrop of the pandemic. Um, you know, there's frustrations because the two films I did in 2019, you know, The Furnace had its world premiere at Venice um, and, you know, um, Coming Home in the Dark was shortlisted for Cannes, you know, mm. for the director's fortnight and that was cancelled. And then we, but then we got into, um, you know, Sundance, but that was virtual. So we, you know, I could have gone to these two massive festivals with these two films that I'm super proud of. And, and so I, there was a little bit of disappointment there, but, you know, glass half full mm. um, in terms of the, you know, the diversity of work that comes out. I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just enjoying every minute of it. Cause I know, I know that these things can be fleeting and I suppose if anything, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm really appreciative of the fact that people in Australia can, and New Zealand, I suppose, and hopefully the rest of the world can see me as just, more than just your, you know, your dad, you know, your 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 Dave Rafter kind of thing, which yeah. has been good for me, and I really appreciate it. And I still, and as you've mentioned, I, I still am involved in that. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's nice to have a year because last year was my thirtieth year as a professional actor, so I was looking forward to a, a big bumper year. So it's been quite a nice celebration of thirty years in the business. Well, congratulations on that anniversary. Um, you know, it's. It's a you've got a great filmography and a great work of television work there as well. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I, I'm more of a film lover. No disrespect to yep. the TV work, <laughs> but no, 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 no. <laughs> um, you know, I, I 
I think the very first time I ever saw you on, on screen was in Somersault and that was just such a, a powerhouse film. And yet you've continued to work with debut filmmakers, James, Roderick, and of course, Kate as well. What is it that draws you to their work? Um, well, I mean, I was very lucky with Kate because she managed to see through, because I'd just come off All Saints. I was mm. Mitch Stevens and All Saints. She managed to see through that TV persona and give me an opportunity on and an art basically an art house film that launched the careers of Sam Worthington and Abby Cornish and you know Jan Chapman was the um, EP on that and so I'm suddenly walking off set in a Channel 7 soap basically a weekly soap and walking onto a, a really cool indie film and I mean I was like blown away when I got that opportunity um, but I think you know the the you know, then things it's things suddenly change for Kate, and then you know things with with um, with James as well. You know, they're, when when they when they're putting together the casts of their first feature films, it's they don't have such a wide range of choice because you know attracting A-listers to their films is is not easy mm. um, because they're unproven, um, and so I guess I get opportunities because I'm, you know, I'm I'm there, and they know that they can they can get a good job out of me um but i know now getting into a james ashcroft film or a kate shortland film is going to be a much harder <laughs> thing to do um but um you know uh, you know I, I just again you know working with um young that those first time feature directors there's a there's an energy that goes with them because there's it's the it's, it's their first big break it's their yeah. big opportunity they, they're there's a creative kind of spark and energy that is just so amazing to be around. Um, and I'm, I just count myself lucky that I've, I've, you know, I've worked on James Ashcroft in particular recently. I mean, and Roderick as well, but, you know, particularly with this film, um, working uh, with both James and, and uh, Roderick on their, their feature, feature films, just seeing that, uh, that level of commitment that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it inspires me 30 years in, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the great thing to feed off. Yeah, I, I think the thing that kind of, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the thing that surprises me about Coming Home in the Dark is I, it's a film that I didn't expect where it was going to go. It ducks and swerves in ways that I just, it gave me a bit of a gut punch. Each kind of fifteen minutes, I was like, ah, oh, this is this is going in different ways. Much in the same yeah. way that the furnace was as well. Like I go, I went into that film expecting it to be just a western and then it's so much more than that um which is is really you know fantastic to be able to experience as a, a film lover is that where you kind of seek out as you you know your career 30 years and so forth is that the kind of narrative that you're seeking out um oh look i i guess uh you know i, I look at look at stuff predominantly for experiences you know, it's 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 it's. You know, I don't get I don't get twenty scripts a week landing on my doorstep, going, and I've got to I've got to have a bunch of readers to tell me which ones I should look at. You know, like these things come, they just come out of left field, and and you know, the furnace just. I got a phone call from my agent because I'd worked with Tim White, the producer, mm. on the Luminaries, which was another period gold. Uh, um, BBC miniseries that I just shot in New Zealand at the beginning of twenty of twenty nineteen, and I'd done the boys are back with Tim as well back in the in two thousand and nine or something um, with Clive Owen down here in in South Australia. So I knew Tim, 
But I just got offered it out of the blue. It, do you want to go to the Western Desert, you know, to the, the gold fields of Western Australia and do a period piece where you ride horses and, you know, chase, chase you know, fugitive cameleers? And I'm like, before I even read the script, I went, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> well, who wouldn't say yeah, yeah? <laughs> well, exactly. You want to go to Mountain Magnet? And I'm like, where's that? And I look on the map, and I go, yeah, shit, I want to go there. I want to go to spend a couple of weeks up there. So there's, there's me as an adventurer because I love to travel and I like to have new experiences. I mean, but I, if I'd picked up the script and, I'd, and it had been an absolute turkey, I would have got, no, I'm sorry, I'm really disappointed that I can't do this. But same with coming home in the dark, you know, when, mm. you know, to go back and work in Wellington where I started my career and I went to drama school and university back there. And I, when I first arrived in Scotland, from Scotland to New Zealand in 1974, I lived in the Hutt Valley where we shot coming home in the dark. So it was a real return home for me. Mm. So that alone was a really, a really big attraction. And then fortunately the script was, um, was great so um i'm giving you a really long answer no, to that you question go for it. Yeah. Uh, but but basically i'm just you know I, i'm saying a lot of a lot of these things have kind of been serendipity they've come to me and they've, they've landed in front of me at a time that i really needed them um from a creative perspective and from a um it, it brings together aspects of my you know my life and you know, to go to WA and spend spend time over there was was amazing too. So, in terms of the, the narratives, um, I've just been really lucky that um, that the scripts that I've been offered in the last couple of years have been really good, and that 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 are, that in their script form keep me turning that page with interest, as opposed to quickly thumbing forward to my next scene. You know, mm. where's my next scene going to be? <laughs> Is are, are my scenes good? Um, I've just been really transfixed by the quality of the scripts. Yeah, and of course, you know, the furnace and coming over in the dark are two polar opposite kind of films in many ways. Um, but um, but their script quality was was equally good. Yeah, yeah, and you know, both films to be greatly proud of. They're they're just wonderful films, and um, certainly I'm excited to see what audiences uh, what the reception is to coming home in the dark because I think that. Uh, a lot of audiences may not expect what they're going to get just like I didn't. And I, I'm curious to hear what people say about it. Um, what's kind of been the, the feedback that you've been getting from the film itself? Have you been surprised by some of the reactions? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit nerve wracking because I, mean, I went to the New, Ze- the New Zealand premiere and, yeah. and like three weeks ago, I was in New Zealand um, and 12, 750 people at the embassy in Wellington on a big, beautiful, big screen and, great sound system and it was like all the new zealand film community was there wellington film community and um you know it's it's a film that's not for everyone it's gonna it's gonna shake people up um and james all the way through knew that he he was expecting walkouts you know particularly around that moment Mm. you know the 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 kind of inciting incident um and uh you know people they're not exuberant at the end of it but they're like yourself they're they're shaken mm. you know it's the kind of film that shakes you and and will stick with you for for days if not weeks and it's a film that i think really gets into your kind of bones um and you leave the theater a little bit different from when you went in there which is and i think that's the case look that's the feedback i've been getting is people there's a kind of look on their face like fuck <laughs> you know yeah um that that was that that was that was big that you know and and it's not like doing a musical comedy when everyone's like 
oh, champagne, everyone, let's just all dance and, and sing. There's just a, it kind of shifts the energy um, in people. And we've, I've got a Q&A tomorrow night that I'm doing a- afterwards. And then I think I do one with, um, on Zoom to Perth. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, it's after the credits roll. I'll be interested to see how many people just leave, you know. <laughs> but in, in the one in Auckland, and I did two in Auckland, with both with James, um, everyone, pretty much everyone stayed. Yeah. You know, their, their, their questions were, um, you know, it, it, it was a very, sub, they're subdued Q&As. Because people are, are just sitting in their seats, kind of a little bit exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the benefit of something like that would be at least that they're able to ask questions directly about the, you know, the narrative plot points. Which, uh, admittedly, when I was like, "Yeah, you get to chat to Eric Thompson," I'm like, fantastic, great, and then I watched the film, like, shit. What am I going to ask him about this film? I really can't talk about the plot points, but there is so much thematically yeah. there, and I think the benefit of a Q and A after that would be, you know, sitting there and asking those questions about those moments because, um, you know, there is that yeah. darkness there. Yeah, yeah, and I and and I I like I don't mind if people say I really didn't like it. I didn't like the experience because, and and I think James is exactly the same. Mm. He said, you know. He, this isn't a film like you like at the beginning of our conversation. Did you enjoy it? Well, no, but I experienced it. Um, whatever it does, and because of the messaging in it, um, and, and I was I was a young bloke going to school in the 70s and 80s in New Zealand, and I knew about these boys' homes. And I knew we all knew as a society that there weren't particularly nice places to be sending our youth. Mm. And I was a white middle class boy, doctor's son, and this this is a film that basically grabs us and, and forces us to look at look at stuff and asks us how complicit are we in in perpetuating you know systemic you know racism or or abuse or whatever um and that's uncomfortable so i think and that's the power of the film too as much as it's a really good genre piece it does have quite a strong social kick um that people might not like having to having to witness and having to be asked those questions and and I think that again that's a big achievement yeah. so um yeah so hopefully um hopefully people will be intrigued and come along I mean we we you know our season's been curtailed in New Zealand because they're in lockdown but um in, in Australia we don't have New South Wales and we don't have Victoria but I really hope the Perth and the Adelaide and the Queensland film communities will um get amongst it because I think for young filmmakers and film buffs I think it's a really a really interesting film for people to see yeah I agree and just like those films I mentioned at the beginning you know they're they're films that I remember because of the impact they had on me and while I may not have had a good time watching them uh, I'll never forget watching them just like this film and so that that in itself is the the power of the thematic heft of it and the, the power of the actions in the film. Um, it's, it's yeah. a generally powerful film um, and one that you should, yeah, certainly be proud of. Um, so congratulations with that. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and thank you so much for your time as well, being able to talk to you about your work uh, and this particular film. Um, it's not a problem. Yeah. As somebody who's been a fan of your work for a long period of time. Um, it's uh it's an honor. It's really nice to be able to sit down and have a chat to you about it. Um, and especially oh, these, so um, these newer films as well. I'm, I'm excited to see where your career continues to go from here. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? You know, I mean, we'll see, but it's, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving the response and, you know, 
getting your response is um, is all all we need, you know. And I, I pass. I've been speak to James every now and again. He's he's always keen because I said to him, I said, you know, New Zealand films, you know, this it seems to be getting a little bit of traction, a little bit of interest over here, um, and in that indie kind of film world. And um, I said, New Zealand films don't always, you know, they've got to work a little bit harder to get mm. traction in Australia. I think. Um, so it's nice to see that I think we've kind of, you know, broken through the, the kind of um, the cell wall, you know, a little bit. And, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, people yeah. will get out and, and see it and experience it. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to remember that New Zealand films aren't just Taika Waititi films and Lord of the Rings. You know, there is a there is a film industry there and there is a lot of great work coming out of there. And this is an example of that just like the Australian film industry, people forget how many great films there are. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but just to say that it, it, from, from a film, you know, film, you know, interest point of view, there was a documentary that Sam Neill did years ago called New Zealand Cinema of Unease. Mm. If you can find it, it, it'll give you a bit of a backdrop to this film because New Zealand has a history of these really uneasy kind of, um, you know, hard films. There's a film called Smash Palace and there's a film called Vigil. Um, and there's quite a few, and Sam talks about them, um, looking at what characterises that New Zealand island, isolated island feel and, um, and the darkness that it can bring to some of the work that comes out of it. And I think it, it, this is the film, you know, Smash Palace is one of my favourite films and one of James's favourite mm. films. Um, set in the centre of the North Island in a, in, a, in a smash yard, but it's a beautiful performance by Bruno Lawrence and amazing film by a guy called Roger Donaldson before he went off to Hollywood. Um, but, you know, if you can find it and have a look at some point, it's a, it's a really good watch. So, um, yeah, that's just a bit of a, back, bit of a background. Yeah, thank you for that. I'll definitely seek it out. I, I watched Vigil not so long ago and was stunned by it, and I have sleeping dogs sitting on my... Um, Oh yeah, uh, counter to watch Sleeping as Dogs well. is another one. Yeah. Yes, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how that how Sleeping Dogs stands up these days, but um, certainly there's a there's a energy in that film that it's um, yeah that's pretty pretty special. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeking that. And uh, yeah. yeah, once again, thank you so much for your time, Eric. Right. It's been a long time. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it easy, man. No, no worries. worries. You too. Bye. Bye. Once again, that was the great Eric Thompson talking about his career and most importantly, talking about his new film, Coming Home in the Dark, which is in Australian cinemas uh, from the 8th of September. Make sure, if you can, safely head along, go and see this film. I highly recommend it. This is a stunning visual film, uh, very powerful in tone, very powerful in themes. And look, if you haven't seen Somersault or The Furnace, then I also recommend checking those out, as well as Aftertaste too. I really enjoyed that show too. Uh, That was on ABC earlier in the year. A lot of great work that Eric is doing outside of Pack to the Rafters and All Saints, which are fantastic in their own right, but his film work is also fantastic too. Uh, So yeah, hopefully you really enjoyed that discussion, uh, because I thoroughly enjoyed it too, and there was a lot to learn from Eric and especially with some of those New Zealand film recommendations at the end there too. So um, make sure to put those onto your viewing list alongside those films I just recommended. Uh, Look, if you enjoy what we do here at The Curb, then make sure to head over to thecurb.com.au to listen to other episodes, uh, other interviews. Have an upcoming interview with the director of Love in Bright Landscapes, a documentary about David McComb and the Triffids. And uh, yeah, I think that's also a really good discussion too. 
And look, you can also check out written reviews as well. There is a written review for Coming Home in the Dark coming up as well. Uh, so lots of different things over on the website. And we are an independent website, so we do like to ask for a little bit of help in keeping ourselves independent. So if you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the curb AU and for a little as a dollar a month, you can uh, get some really, really exciting and interesting uh, posts and and things like that and usually some exclusive interviews as well over there too thanks again guys for listening i really appreciate it and uh, i hope that you're all staying safe and sound and uh, getting vaccinated too as much as you can that's the best way i'm double vaccinated and i'm safe out in the world now uh, so it's the best way of staying safe right now look after each other love each other and be kind to one another see you in the next one Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.